All right, are you ready? Yes, I am. Okay. Hello and welcome to the first ever debut premiere edition uh, of the Canadian Wargaming Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm James. Hey, James. Hey, Mike. We are going to start with our theme music. And James, I'm going to put you on the spot uh, with our theme music because you should know this. This is our provisional theme music. Well, we can decide if we like it or not because it is the premiere edition. Okay. Here goes. You have to get the sure. uh, studio band in place. Here we go. <laughs> marching out of the studio big hand for the studio band all right yay and of course you know what that was right uh no actually dude it was your march past who's march past your march past the yeah that's the floyd darab i've marched past to it once okay my graduation parade about 10 years ago all right For the cadets, we always play whatever is appropriate to them. All right. Well, that is the uh, that is the CIC March Fest, La Foy d'Arabe. So. Oh, well, yeah. a very stirring tune. French for the Maple Leaf. I think my Prussian Grenadiers rattled in their box. I, I, I could tell they were just itching to march out. So That's right. They were. Yeah. So we may keep that as our march, as our uh, theme, or we may find some other music. But, I like uh, it. It's stirring. Or, you know, the RCAF or March Pass is always good. The RCAF has a very good March Fest, and we might slip the Royal Canadian Regiment March Past in as well. Um, we could, I'm not we could, sure. We, we could do Canadian March Pasts as we could. Theme. That could be like a running theme for sure. Yeah. We could at some point slip the uh, Royal Canadian Chaplain Service March Past in, but it's not uh, onward Christian soldiers anymore for uh, reasons of um, uh, uh, interfaith uh, relations and harmony. So it was a great song for the Crusades, but not such a great song today. Yeah, I, I could see where you know your Jewish or your Jewish or Muslim chaplains would be a little sort of hmm, hmm. Yeah, 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 sure. dude, not working for me for sure. So this is, if anybody is uh, still listening to us after the first five minutes, uh, this is the Canadian War Gaming Podcast or Gamer Podcast, and we're going to tell you a little bit about what we have in mind, and we're going to tell you a little bit about who we are, and we're going to start by doing something that. Um, you know, if you've been to like some corporate retreat and you have to uh, get to know the person next to you in five minutes and then tell the group who they are, it's kind of cringe inducing. Um, fortunately, James and I have known each other for substantially longer than five minutes. So I'm going to just introduce James and uh, I'm going to say something about him in four minutes or less. Uh, I should probably time myself because I can say a lot of bad things about James in four minutes. Uh, <laughs> And uh, then James is going to do the same to me. So I'm going to get the timer ready. Okay, go. So I'd have to say James is my oldest friend in Wargaming. Uh, you and I have known each other for, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, going on for 30 years. We met in the 19, early 1990s, uh, just sort of by chance through, uh, uh, you know, I'd put up, send up a flare looking for people interested in medieval Wargaming, and, which was something you and I were both really interested in at the time. And um, yeah, we've, uh, we've known each other through uh, thick and thin, through uh, a lot of ups and downs in life since then. And uh, 
I've been uh, a very, very frequent visitor to James's basement of gaming in Stratford, Ontario. Um, I don't know how many times I've been in your house, James. Um, and uh, mm. my, one of my favorite uh, places to be in the hobby. Um, whereas I've lived all over the place and I've been kind of a moving target. Um, so mostly my, my gaming memories are in your basement. Um, and we've kind of watched each other go through, um, uh, like I said, ups and downs in lives. We're now both uh, grandfathers. Well, you're a real grandfather. I'm a, a surrogate grandfather. Um, Your grandchildren are closer, though. That's true. I'm blessed. And in fact, I spent today with uh, with uh, two of them and got to see a third. And yours are far, far away. And I feel for you, buddy. Um, right. But uh, I'm sure you're already planning how to introduce them to toy soldiers, uh, as I am. Going to try. And uh, what else can I say about you? I've got uh, uh, one and a half minutes. You are um, something of a uh, linchpin in the Ontario gaming circuit because... For 20 years now, you've been um, one of the organizing uh, forces behind Hot Lead. Now, I wouldn't want to say that's Canada's best gaming convention, but it's probably it's probably Ontario's longest-running gaming convention. Can um, games might have us beat. Yeah, um, not sure. Possibly. Uh, and it's uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about you know the role of gaming conventions in the Canadian scene. But you know, you've had a lot of experience uh, from you know, trying to organize the hobby at a, not only a local, but kind of a provincial or geographical level. Um, we can talk a bit more about that downstream. You've also tried your hand at being a reseller, um, J&M Miniatures, which I think is defunct now. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yeah. So, you know, a little bit about, um, you know, what it's like to try to try to sell product in a, in a, in a, um, a small market, you know, given the fact that Canada is a pretty darn small market. And your interests, your hobby interests, gosh, I don't know if I could list them all. You are currently, you told me a little while ago you were uh, building a small um, skirmish force of Napoleonics for sharp practice. And uh, yeah, I don't believe you anymore, buddy. I think, uh, I'm, I think I'm on my second division of Russian Grenadiers. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You are going to be doing, showing up. you're going to be doing Borodino at 28 millimeter. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um but that's kind of that's one of your more recent interests. Uh, since I've known you, uh, you've been very. You and I started. We cut our gaming teeth together, uh, doing medievals, and mm -hmm. then uh, I watched you do um, World War II and fifteen millimeter. I think Canadian Canadian Army is a big part of your gaming interest in, in that. Uh, I watched you do other projects as well. Um, your Afghanistan project, which you've been working on off and on for the last five years, mm -hmm. and. Um, that's just a that's a thing of beauty to see how you just threw yourself into that and built, uh, you know, an entire Afghan village and collected uh, appropriate figures, which is not that easy. You know, looking for specific Canadian uh, Canadian kit and Canadian vehicles, and then uh, I guess the one of the shared interests that you and I have is Lord of the Rings. Yes. Okay, that, that's four minutes. Oh. Probably, like I said, I could have said more about you in four minutes. Well, so I that's, mean, uh, that's James. That's you want to, do you want to correct the record? Uh, well, as I talk about you, I'll probably talk about me too, because we're kind of intertwined. We are brothers right. from other mothers, right? But enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think of me? <laughs> How about everybody else talk about me? Yeah, um, yeah so we met, what, we met 30 odd years ago. Uh, you had encountered my very 
modifiers intensive uh, rules men at arms right and contacted me and we just struck up a friendship and I think because we're very similar in in attitudes um, towards life in general and what we want out of a game uh, we've just it's we've really gelled and we've done a lot of our projects together like I mean uh, we were both doing seven years war around the same time I went 15 mil because that's what my group was doing and you did 20 25 mil um, yep. and we were both then we both were doing doing World War II I mean Coy, you wandered off into the American Civil War which you love for some reason I don't know <laughs> I don't understand it but you make them look pretty. We've had a lot of fun playing with your playing with your toys. Those are some of my fondest memories when you were when you were on that cushy posting at Waterloo, getting getting yet another degree. Yeah, um, yeah. playing in your basement with Longstreet and your twenty eight mil um, American Civil War stuff. Yeah, those were good times. Yeah, those were it. It I was gutted when you when you got posted away. It sucked badly i had no one to play with for years and years and years until you until you came back to came back to uh for your last postings so uh but yeah you're you're i don't know you're smart you're erudite uh articulate about life and gaming um and you like me you want the you want the story not not the rules yeah, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. that's one of the things that we have in common. I'm sorry, I'm eating into your time. If you have anything more lovely to say. No, I mean, because I'm 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 almost talking about me while talking about you. I feel kind <laughs> of bad about it. Um yeah. but yeah, like some of my fondest memories are when we you know we were playing a game and we make up a story about you know dynamic pan panther man. Oh yeah, dynamic panther man. And yeah. you know, and and um Dougie Mercer and his 17 pounder yeah. saving, saving the flank in Normandy and uh yeah. Yeah, and then you're, you know, some of our, our stories coming out of our mid, our Middle Earth battles, which, you know, and my massive Middle Earth collection is all your fault. Yeah, I, well, really? Can you blame that yes, on me? Yes, it okay. was. Um, oh. Because, you know, there I was, you know, at your place, we're playing, and you said, hey, James, I got this groovy new War of the Ring board game. Let's try it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And then, oh my God, that's like, you know, let's make a little, let's make a small figure order to, um, to uh, whoever it was that was selling Bendel. Oh yeah. The, what are now Thistle and Rose? Yeah. Yeah. It was Sergeant Major Miniatures at the time. Right. Right. Yeah. So, and yeah, you know, it's like five boxes of figures later, the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's something that you and I have in common is a is a, a love for Tolkien. Although I, I have to say you're much more um, learned in the the lore, like you've read the Silmarillion many more times than I have. Well, it's just great. I mean, I don't know. I theologically am a Tolkienist. What can I say? Right. I, right. Like on the on the wargaming in in Middle Earth Facebook group, I do find myself embarrassed though because people will trot out, you know, oh, and this he says this about, and they're getting very detailed about you know, weapons and stuff to try and make arguments about how the orcs fought at wherever. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, dude. I'm reading for theme and character, like an yeah. English major, but. Yeah. 
So that's something else you and I have both in common, right? We both have uh, backgrounds in uh, humanities. Yes. Um, I went a bit farther and uh, um, well, graduate school than I really should have. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think we both we both have an interest in story and, uh, and narrative for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, th I don't think I, either of us really would call it, call themselves uh, rivet counters. Like I honestly, like you, you I can't tell. Um, when I look at Sherman tanks, I know that one is like up the little gun and one is the firefly and that's about it. Yeah. Um, and they come in shades of green. Yeah. And uh, whereas our mutual friend, Brian Hall would roll his eyes because, you know, he could tell you the, the exact difference between early Sherman variants and like cast iron versus riveted hulls or whatever. But when, when I, when I was sweating over my fireflies, um, because the fireflies from my Canadian, Canadian, um, world war two, they're the old glory kit and they had the cast hulls. Right. And I could throw it the firefly one C or something. Yeah. Um, and it was like, oh my God, you know, I found out that all oh, the Canadians didn't use those in Normandy. Oh my God. Yeah. What do I do now? And I was sweating mud, and Brian just laughed at me. Yeah. And he just said, there's Shermans. There's a bunch of them and they come in shades of green. Don't worry about it. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> I swapped, a, I have proper um, Sherman fives. Yeah. Thanks to Plastic Soldier Company. <laughs> so that's who we are, um, uh, James and Mike. We're you know we've longtime friends and gamers, and we have similar interests. And I think the only other thing I'd say that we have in common is that we both um, have worn our country's uniform, not in any like super elite special forces way. Um, I was a uh, uh, Canadian Forces chaplain for fourteen years. Uh, James, you're still serving in the Cadet Instructor Corps. Um, yes, holding our our nation's young people into something respectable, which is a well, that's a, that's a goal anyway. Pretty amazing calling, I think. So yeah, we, and we so we both have a uh, a connection with the Canadian military and a, and a kind of love for Canadian history and Canadian military history. So so that's kind of that's kind of who we are. So why do we want to do a podcast? I mean, really, does the world need another wargaming podcast? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Are we? <laughs> You know, when I when I floated the question on Twitter, I was actually surprised at how many people said, "Yeah, I'd listen to that." And uh, all three of you, um, <laughs> I'm calling you on that. Uh, you better download it. Um, That's right. Subscribe now. Subscribe now. Yeah. Um, push like. And I, I think a lot of people like. I don't know, but my I I at any rate listen to podcasts when I'm uh, when I'm exercising or when I'm uh, not that I exercise a lot, but. Uh, or when I'm painting, uh, listening to people matter about war games roles and stuff that ha has an interest. Um, I guess there are some podcasts that I gravitate to more than others. Do you, do you have a favorite podcast, James? You know, actually, I, I hate to admit it, but I haven't really listened to any. Oh, well, you I'm better start. Just, I'm either just enjoying the sounds of silence or I'm listening to music. Hmm. I haven't kind of figured out this whole like I guess I have to download them and play them on my my media player something. Yeah, yeah. I know I'm I'm a big poser. You are, man. I am gonna have to get you educated on that. Um, okay. Yeah, but I think 
you know, it's been a lot of talk about podcasts in the hobby since. Um, so, you know, a lot of people talked about how um, uh, uh, Mike Hobbs and uh, Neil Shook were um, the Meatballs and Ventures podcast was a huge part of their, uh, you know, their hobby. And, um, you know, there's the Two Fat Lardies uh, oddcasts and, you know, countless others. One of the things that I noticed, though, about podcasts is that they all they all seem to have British accents. Hmm. And, you know, you and I are not going to do any British accents on that show. We may occasionally talk to somebody from Britain, but um, I think there's, I'm not aware of any current Canadian hobby podcast. There might've been some in the past. I know there were some guys out of Quebec that ran one for a while. Geeks of the North, I think it was called. Good title. Yeah. Um, But most of the, I I guess because of the center of gravity and miniature wargaming is, is in Great Britain. Um, that's where, you know, oh, that's there, where does, the, there does seem to be like two, uh, two divides, um, united by a misunderstood language. I mean, there's like the American wargaming scene, and they seem to be very happy in their, you know, insular par- parochial, um, American world. Some of them, some of them do seem to look look out i mean we have lots of war american wargaming friends on twitter and 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 such but yeah they don't need to go anywhere there's 10 times as many of them as us um and they can get a lot of what they want just within their own country yeah you know so i'm i'm really surprised that um you know like old glory hasn't gone into plastics in a huge way uh-huh. surely to god he's got the money um, yeah. I know plastic plastic tooling isn't cheap but still um but then again it's cheap enough to bring the plastics in from britain because the post because the uh, freight is is cheap on them and you can still buy them wholesale yeah yeah i, I think it's interesting the we don't know a lot, like I personally, anyway, I don't know a lot about the American hobby scene. I mean, I, there's the Little Wars guys who have that great YouTube channel. Um, but I was listening to uh, one of the Lardy's podcasts, and Nick Skinner was saying he wasn't aware of any hobby magazines coming out of the States right now. Like there used to be a few um, back they, in the day. Yes. Well, um, I was involved in the death of them. Um, well, there's a story. Yes, we should actually we should get Don on because he's, okay. he's a transplant. Um, Don Perrin, yeah, yeah. Canadian in Las Vegas. Yes, because there there was M one, the Midwest War Gamers Association newsletter, right, and there was the Courier, which was actually, yeah the Courier. Yeah, it was a good magazine back in the day. Uh-huh. Um, both were going under, and so Don bought them both. And combined them into HMG Magazine, Historical Miniature Gamer Magazine. Right. And, um, but it was, there was problems getting traction, problems getting, you know, advertisers weren't paying. So that just made producing the magazine harder. And then people say, well, why should I pay if the magazine isn't coming out? And it just kind of, it was this death spiral. And he brought me in as an editor to try and help out. Right. Towards the end, so he could focus on publishing not editing um but it was too it was too late and uh yeah so um you know everybody blames blames him they they 
loudmouths on an American-based forum, which I won't mention because it'll it'll open a portal to hell. Um, <laughs> spout off about how Don killed the courier and M1, and they but and and you know no matter how many times you try and explain to them, it's like no, those magazines were dying anyway. He just kept them going for a couple of years, right. Um, they don't, and actually, and and I was involved. Old Glory briefly, they had they put out about five issues um, of a glossy magazine called the Gloire, right? But again, problems with the editorial. John had John had had his accident, and that messed up. Pro- that caused problems, and yeah, so that magazine went under too. Yeah. So, it's certainly interesting that somebody as prominent as um, Nick Skinner in England, um, you know, like one of the the geniuses in Two Fat Lardies, um, just wasn't tracking any of that. Like he just couldn't think of an American hobby magazine. Um, whereas, you know, there's two or three coming out of the, of the UK dependably. And, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, some have, some, some have uh, come and gone like Henry Hyde's Battle Games. But then there's also... Um, uh, WSS, which I think is published out of Holland. Yes. Yeah. So, um, but there's nothing like that in Canada. Absolutely nothing. There's and, not enough of us. Sorry? There's not enough of us. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is because um, there is really, I think, th- there is a Canadian hobby scene, but it's we're such a big country and we've been in lockdown for a year. <laughs> there's, 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 there's like we don't even even the stuff happening locally is all at, is all in you know in suspended animation right now but you know there's there's stuff happening in vancouver and montreal and halifax and uh, it's just hard to get around this country and so yeah let's talk a little bit about our, about our concept of operations what do we want to do in this podcast so um do we do we need to establish what the commander's um, desired end state is too? Well, the commander's desired end state is to have a podcast with you know more than us and our wives subscribing to it. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's the end state. <laughs> yeah, but I think yeah, like what do we want to do? Well, I think we want to we want to talk about the Canadian wargaming scene, right? Like what's happening on the ground in various parts of the country and. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I don't know. So I'm, I, I kind of see this as kind of a little journalistic thing, right? Like I'd like, I know some people on Twitter, um, you know, in the lower mainland in BC, for example, uh, I'd love to know what their wargaming scene is like. I'd like to get someone on and talk to them, you know, find out. Uh, like, yeah. Thomas just had a great uh, wargaming barbecue under a tent. Yeah, I saw that, that big War of the Roses game. Yeah. yeah. So we should get him on at some point and get him to tell us about... Uh, gaming in Vancouver um, and you know like every scene has uh, every every regional scene has people with their fingers in the pie right uh, and then there's also people who are significant bloggers like uh, one of the people I'd love to talk to is um, Ross McFarland who's out in the deep dark um, backwoods of Nova Scotia Ross has an amazing blog called um, Battle Game of the of the month I think oh. and, and Ross is just an amazing, like old school war gamer. And he's very active in a couple of East Coast um, conventions and so forth. But, you know, he's a fat, he'd be a fascinating guy to talk to. And 
could probably tell us about who's who in the Halifax gaming scene and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, we know people in Ontario we could talk to as well, right? Yeah. So you mentioned Don Perrin. I'd love to get, I'd love to hear Don Perrin's take on uh, his time in, in hobby publishing. That would be fantastic. Um, a couple other people that we have, we're talking to are people who are kind of leaders in the Canadian hobbies. So um, uh, Kurt Campbell, uh, everybody knows Kurt from the Analog Hobbies uh, Painting Challenge. James, did you ever try that? No, um, I've, it's quite the thing, isn't yeah. it? Like yeah. people all over contribute to it. Or all over the freaking world. It's crazy. Yeah. What is it? So, well, it's it's a it, it's run it's run every winter, and I think it's now in the eighth or ninth iteration. I I did it um, a few years ago when I was living in Alberta, I think, um, and I I found it, um, you know, like almost drinking from a fire hose. There were so many people, <clears throat> and they were doing so much, so many entries, and the, the quality of painting was amazing for for but it, for a lot of the the folks, and there were some, you know, people that like uh, Sydney Roundwood, right? Doing his Renaissance uh, stuff is, mm. uh, was just amazing. So, you know, Kurt, and Kurt's also very active in the, the um, Regina Wargaming scene as well. I know that because when I was based in Medicine Hat, I, Kurt was a great host for a couple of times when I go out and meet him and some of his friends. So he'd be an interesting guy to talk to. Um, there's also a small number of Canadian manufacturers. So uh, we've talked to um, Bob Merch from Pulp Figures, and Kurt's, or sorry, Bob's agreed to come on the podcast at some point. Uh, and then your guy uh, Alex from Full Battle Rattle. I haven't heard back from him. Yeah, it'd be good to. I'd be. I'd like to talk to him though because you know it was a neat his content he's doing canadian subjects yeah canadians in afghanistan uh when he was looking at something at he, he was last i talked to him he was trying i think he was going to do like world war ii sort of breskin's pocket oh okay like proper figures for that you know in the in the um leather leather jerkins and overcoats and a lot of scarves and mittens because they're all wet and cold like walker and island kind of stuff yeah 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 that would be fantastic um and uh you know, i'm sure you'd find a market for it too because I, I have a friend who a uh, blogger friend that in california who's working on canadian uh, infantry for a dieppe project so hmm. yeah i mean canadians canadians are always i think kind of sexy for uh, you know hobby hmm. uh, We've, we've got that we're, we've got that cachet yeah. yeah yeah shock troops right we're british but different yeah british but different and um <laughs> yeah like everybody likes to do there's there's certain periods that people like to do the canadians in normandy that's always popular put them up against the hitler youth and let them stomp on panthers oh, um, well, that's always fun yeah my panther should be stomped on i should i i i need to find a picture of a destroyed tiger tank and just keep it on my phone and every time somebody you know tweets ooh tiger tank i can just put up the burning hulk and say here i fixed it for you yeah we took out six of them in five minutes on uh, june 8th i think i forget the, the battle but uh it was um fairly early in the normandy fighting yeah so that's pretty cool and then uh, uh, it's amazing how many people are interested in the fenian raids right like uh yeah. the battle of uh Ridgeway, right 
yeah i yeah i know when i when i i see yeah when i'm I'm just always gobsmacked when i see like you know somebody from europe like oh i'm doing this phenian rage project i'm like wait what (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know about the phenian raids I mean, yeah, that's true. I used to. Know, we live in the area, and most people around us don't know about the Fenian raids. Exactly. Yeah. And then here's somebody from from England or Holland or wherever. Oh, I'm doing Fenians and 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 you know Canadian militia, and it's like, well, that's cool. Yeah. I don't care how badly painted they are. I'm a fan. Exactly. Just the fact you're doing it. When I was going to seminary in Toronto, I used to walk by the um, uh, Queens Park Circle. There's that monument to the u of t students who were killed at ridgeway yes and, they left uh, in the middle of exams yeah and it's it's a sadly neglected um monument you kind of have to know where it is and bits of it are falling off unfortunately oh. but there's four there's four guys in militia uniforms at the four corners of it and i used to look at it and think yeah it's a pity nobody knows about this but yeah war gamers do which is pretty cool hmm. oh, it's it's uh we should bug our members of parliament about that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, like the, the, the Fenian raids caused confederation. Yep. Yeah. Right. But because it happened before confederation it tends to get forgotten and you know, everybody's oh, war of eighteen twelve. It's like oh, the British fought that. We just We helped. Yeah, we helped. We helped like the five year old helps you clean the house. Yeah. You know. Um, whereas feeding raids, we did most of the heavy lifting. Yeah, that's true. It helped most of our opponents were, were drunken Irish Americans with PTSD from the American Civil War. Ever? Yeah. Hey, you know, like it, it was their first, it, it was the Canadian militia's first time out. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah. You know, like they, considering they're mostly a social club, beer drinking society, and political networking yeah um they didn't do horribly well as one of my reserve ceos the late uh, brock millman used to say that canadian canadian militia has always been first and foremost a social club and secondly a club to help friends find jobs in local industries yes and they do some fighting too anyway yeah so, so if, I, if i'd been for cr i probably would be working at uh, general dynamics by now Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure. And you might have gone to Afghanistan with them. I mean, a lot of them did. Mm, I think I, uh, a little old. Yeah. Well, a lot, a lot of them were too. So that's another thing we want to do with our, this podcast is we want to talk about um, connections between wargaming and Canadian military history uh, and what Canadian military history looks like on the tabletop because. Um, uh, I mean, you know, everybody wants to work stripped and everybody wants to Waterloo and that's cool. But, I know. Um, you know, the the Canadians at Second Eat, that's a fascinating uh, piece of military history right there. Um, yeah. All sorts of stories. And we want to try to do this on a monthly basis. So we want to try to keep it to between 60 to 90 minutes. So you and I have been waffling on for 40 odd minutes. So oh. that's good. Hey, good for us. Yeah. So that's, that's, what, like that's what we want to do. Is there anything else we want to do? Other uh, than get rich and famous? I'm just here for the groupies. Okay. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> good luck with that. Um, yeah, so we talked about the Canadian wargaming scene. The, the fact that, so maybe just a quick um, sketch of it for 
anybody who's listening from say the uk for example canada um, is big yeah really big, big. yeah I so mean, the quote, you can go f- like to go from windsor to ottawa would be the same as but driving from dover to the north of scotland yeah pretty much to quote uh, one of our favorite groups the arrogant worms we've got rocks and trees and trees and rocks and rocks and trees and trees and rocks rocks and trees and trees and rocks and water yeah. there's some beavers in there and some beavers so yeah it's like a long way between geographic centers and yeah um, it's um yeah it's it, it's like uh it's like you know when i was in australia i was told that um everybody flies in australia right everybody just gets some Qantas and goes from sydney to perth or whatever it's, if you you can get around by rail or car but it's it's a lot of work hmm. um and that's the same as trip canada for the most part yeah um, we, don't, we don't have the cheap commuter flights yeah so when you were running uh, hot lead how how far afield did people come to stratford just out of just as an illustration well is this my good radio voice good radio um, voice Let's see. Well, we we have we have international visitors every year. People from we've had a chap from Italy once. Okay. People from England. People from people from uh, across the uh, Great Lakes in the United States. I mean, mostly we're a regional convention. Um, I you know Ottawa sends a big contingent. We do get people from uh, Quebec. Uh-huh. So unfortunately, Manitoba is a little far away. You know, they have to drive either around, they have to get around Lake Superior somehow. Right, so, right. You know, it's a bit far for, for uh, anybody out in the prairies. Yeah. Some, some keep threatening that, some, that someday they're going to plan family trips to Ontario around hot lead. Yeah, as they should. Uh, you know, definitely. I would. <laughs> <laughs> as they should. Yeah, but it's mostly, I mean, bulk of the people there are probably within, what, three hours drive? Oh, well, um, yeah, Toronto, it, Toronto, depending on which end of Toronto, you're talking three hours. Um, yeah. Ottawa's what, eight hours away? Yeah, yeah. Quebec's eight, Quebec's eight hours away. And they pack a bag and they stay the weekend. Mm-hmm. So uh, It helps that it's in a hotel. So, I mean, it's it's a considerable logistical thing to go to a Canadian wargaming show. I mean, yeah, when, I, you, I, when you listen to the British guys talking on their about the airborne game you've seen it's like yeah we'll get in the car and it's four hours to haul we might have to stay overnight and it's like yeah four hours that's a long trip for them yeah for yeah. us that's just the cost of doing business really yeah yeah it's like you 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 start you get up early you zip down you, you spend some time at the show you eat some lunch and you drive back and you you're in your own bed yeah yeah And I guess the other thing that's, you know, unfortunately true about the Canadian scene is we don't have clubs the way they seem to have them in the UK, at least not that I've ever seen. Yeah, we don't have the club culture. I mean, with, I think with the more mainstream games, like 40k, you know, middle or strategy battle, X-Wing, I think there might be clubs sort of based around stores. Yes. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we don't have... You know, we don't we don't have bars with just you know function rooms that you can book on a weekly basis for a reasonable price. Yeah, where yeah. they aren't where they aren't expecting you to to you know get a meal catered. Yeah, and a lot of British clubs, for example, seem to have you know ties with like community halls or parish halls where they can keep uh, their kit. Yeah, and uh, 
you know, take it out and play with it on a regular basis. So, um, you know, our, our connections between gamers, I think are pretty loose, right? They're mostly networks of friends who, you know, will, uh, get together at someone's house. That's probably the most common kind of gaming. I, yeah. Well, I mean, there's the Hamilton road club and they meet, in the they meet in the library, um, yeah. in London. Yeah. Yeah, and they always invite me, but it's like an hour to, it's over an hour to get to the south of London. Yeah, that's like, London, Ontario, folks. Yeah, yeah. Yes, true, London, Ontario. You'll, a lot of the names, a lot of the names of towns will be the same. Yeah. It's different sizes. That's true. That's one of those things about at least this part of Canada is that there's uh, every, uh, every old town has like a Queen Street and a King Street. Probably a Trafalgar Water. Road, a Waterloo, Waterloo Road. Street. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Victoria, Elma, yeah. Victoria Park. Yep, yep. Exactly. I've got Lake, Lake Victoria in downtown Stratford. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the Canadian scene. It's pretty loose. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty informal. And um, it's, you know, for somebody who was moving to, um, if you were a war gamer and you were moving to, I don't know, um, Toronto or Vancouver. Um, I mean, you could get on the internet now and say, "Hey, I'm moving to Vancouver. You know, tell me, tell me who's the gaming, and you probably get four or five hits right away." But yeah, uh, so thank God for the internet. But it's 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 pretty uh, it's it's pretty loose. It's fairly small. Yeah, we're yeah loose and, and informal the way Canadians are. Um, yeah, but yeah, there's not a lot of us, and we're spread out. Yeah. And we've got the three three shows to um to re- like there's trumpeter salute on the west coast yep. in Burnaby BC there's can games in Ottawa and uh, well it's usually the Victoria Day weekend right which is always bad like for me um and then there's hot lead yeah in March yeah. So we'll try to document uh, some of these things in the. Uh, in the, the the following months, because they're they're hopefully after this there will be another Canadian Wargamer podcast. If we don't get tired of it, tired of each other. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that's one of the things we want to do. Is like we want to take the podcast on the road. So if you're listening to this, and if you are you know like a if you're knowledgeable about the wargaming scene in your part of Canada, uh, get in touch with us and uh, talk to us about it, and we'll we talk love to you. To hear from you. Eh? Yeah, like we'd like to dial in, eh? Like, call us. Pull up your, pull oh. up your poutine and grab yeah. your box of donuts. <laughs> yeah. Should I, hand one, my can- should I hand in my Canadian card? Because I don't really like poutine. I think we should declare a moratorium on like Bob and Doug McKenzie jokes. I'm, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. No, I yeah. can't keep it up. I'd just be silly. No, no. I'm more of a letter Kenny guy than a... Uh, you know, I, I grew up with SCTV to be sure, but yeah, I don't know. Letterkenny's a lot more foul mouth, and it's not really. This is a family show. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a family show. All right, let's put each other on the spot. Uh, Canadian military history. What are you working on right now? That uh, other than your Napoleonic uh, divisions of uh, Russians and Prussians, um, do you have anything uh, on the go in, in terms of Canadian stuff? No. No, I. I've been very disciplined, and I just I've I've been trying to just focus on one project at a time. 
mm-hmm. and just like um, bash through it and get her done. And you're very good at that. It, it just like, cause I find that you get the, you know, you get the magpie um, thing going and you have a whole bunch, you have like half a dozen half finished projects yeah, and that would nothing, be- nothing to show. And you yeah. get frustrated. And I mean, I have done a few things in between, um, you know, you're waiting for glue to dry or whatever you paint a figure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, mo- mostly since for about the past three months, I've been painting 28 millimeter polyonics, which I've never painted before. Uh-huh. Um, I'd always sworn off saying, no, I'm not doing the polygonics. It's a black hole of doom. Um, it was it was our friend Scott that got you into that, wasn't it? Uh, well, no, I like I had some. Once upon a time, Warlord used to send me figures to review. Right. And they'd sent me their Prussian Landwehr and their Russian infantry. And I had bought a bag of, of leftover metal Russians of unknown manufacture from, uh, they were left behind at the hot lead bringing by. And so I just threw 10 bucks in the kitty and took them home. And so uh, our friend, Mike Barrett had announced that he's just going to focus on his war of 1812 stuff. And he's going to sell everything else off. And I was like, Hmm, Hmm. Let me take a look at those before you sell them. And right. so I just I decided, right, this is it. This is my project for the year. I'm going to do something with these 28 mil Napoleonics, or I'm going to put them in the bring and buy next year. Right. You know, it's give me Blucher or give me Knight. <laughs> and uh, that before. Yeah. So yeah, I just started. And then Scott found out because I said, hey, look at this. I've got like, you know, 30 Landwehr to take on because he's got an entire core of, of French in 28 mil. In 28 mil at like yeah. about one to 40, one to 30 scale, but yeah. 24 figure battalions. You know, it's just insane. Um, and he's got like, you know, he's got the bad, he's got like three guns per battery plus a limber. He's got cavalry brades. It's, it's, you know, and I, so I just as a joke, I was like, oh, hey, look, here, I got 32 Landwehr to take you on. And so he said, oh, um, hey, look at this i happy birthday i just bought you you know a brigade of prussian infantry and guns it's like oh cool (laughs) thanks thanks yeah you know and then so i thought well this project's ramping up and then yeah next thing i know i'm ordering bavarians and it's the helmets yeah very sexy helmets and my heritage yeah one of the Bavarian regiments was named what was uh, the colonel was was a was a wall, which is my um, biological father's name. Okay. So I figure my ancestors came from southern. Well, yeah, my brother did the ancestry.com thing, and yeah, we come from southern Germany. Well, there you go. You come by it honestly. Yeah. Yeah probably fleeing Prussian aggression. <laughs> the family story for me is that our that my father's people left Denmark because they didn't want to get conscripted by the Prussians. So that's that's the story anyway. I think that might be my family's story too. Because yeah. then we showed up in a, showed up in America just at the start of the war, uh, American Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> you were cannon fodder. Great, 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 great grandfather Wall said, 
honey pack the wagon we're moving north yeah yeah if you landed in the states and you were german or irish you were cannon fodder that's right <laughs> that's for sure yeah so you're um I mentioned your Afghanistan project earlier. That's a great example of you just sort of putting your head down and, and building something. And that was, uh, yeah, and that was, that was very much a, um, it was sort of a, a several years running Remembrance Day project. Right, right. Um, and yeah, it was sort of, I don't know, a bit of a tribute, a bit of a, you know, nationalist pride. Yep. I, I mean, it was, I was really quite chuffed when I set up my game at Hot Lead and one of the fellows that I know, he'd, he'd been there uh -huh. and he said, you know what, that, that looks exactly like it. Yeah. That looks great. That's pretty high praise. And I was like, cool. You know, I, the, the rules sucked, but you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean that's that's a that's a difficult period to model in terms of rules, right? I mean, a lot of people oh, tried and counterinsurgency. Yeah, counterinsurgency is so hard to, to model. I'm I'm really pleased with the contract front rules. Yeah, and God's Eye Games. Yeah. So they, they, they We should do like a when we can get, if we can get Alex uh, on uh, for from Battle Rattle, it would be fun to do like a whole. Um, a whole podcast on Afghanistan from a gaming point of view because um, mm. yeah it, it doesn't it's not something I played your game a couple of times and uh, yes under a couple of different iterations of the rules I used started with Fubar and made it more complicated added ideas from chain of command and yeah you know broke it. It, it's super challenging when one side basically just has stealth and surprise as its weapons and the other side has overwhelming firepower oh um, goodness yes yeah yeah it, it's very hard to it's it's very hard um well the, the nice thing about the contact front is there's different victory conditions for right each side. yeah and um you know the western forces are very much limited by the rules of engagement right right so you know even though you know yes that's a that's a team of of afghan fighters coming up to me unless i get somebody out there to you know identify that they're armed or they open fire Mm -hmm. um you know so as they're moving into position to to attack you all you can do is try and shift to you know cover your flanks and and everything until the until they decide to launch their ambush right right so yeah once you have somebody go down at your victor conditions change and now it's casualty evacuation yeah and you know the, the few games we played losing like your interpreter or your you know your simic you yes, know, UN civilian attached to, uh, VIP is going to ruin your day, really. So, yeah, yeah, exactly, because your you know your whole objective is to go have a shura with the in the marketplace or yeah something. Hmm. I think if uh, I was thinking about a Canadian military history project that I'm sort of I have on the I don't know if it's on the back burner or it's on the side burner, it would be. Um, something that you and i have talked about before which is the canadians in in italy mm -hmm. and so that's where i started yeah and it's a fascinating campaign the uh if you read um i have mark zilke's book on operation husky on the go right now excellent and, place uh, to start yeah and uh, i have a, a bunch of battlefront 15 millimeter um figures from a few years ago they're they're british 
in mid-war infantry in shirt sleeves. So they paint up perfectly as uh, as Canadians in the um, the khaki drill uniform, the tan mm -hmm. uniform. Uh, so very easy to paint, you know, just a bit of um, like a, an Iraqi desert sand or a tan with uh, a light tan with a bit of a wash and uh, just your flesh paint, your brown for the Lee Enfield, brown and metal, and then you know, a little red dot for the first Canadian division patch. And there you go. Yeah. So there, that, uh, that'll be an interesting project and it'll mesh with what you have. And, um, I have well, a I bunch started, of, I started with the same kit. Yeah. The yeah. same box set. Yeah. So. And you put me on to, um, um, Oh, what company was it that I ordered uh, all those 15 mil figures from? Oh, Forged in Battle. Forged in Battle, right. So I have a bunch of um, uh, Africa Core uh, figures from Forged in Battle, which I think look reasonably similar to German troops. And, you know, yeah, they could do... The, the, at least until the winter, they're wearing a lot of Africa Core kit. Yeah, so they have, exactly. They have a weird mix of tan and Feldgrau. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looked very scruffy, especially in Sicily. Yeah, and Sicily is interesting because a lot of the there aren't a lot of like stand and fight multi day battles. They tend to be, you know, the Canadians catching the uh, Germans as they were doing tactical withdrawals and um, um, upper ridge. Yeah, so, switch back roads. Yeah, so a little bit challenging to model on the tabletop in terms of terrain, but uh, I have some mm. ideas that I want to work on about that. So, yeah, that'll be an interesting project I think for us, and it would lend itself to. Um, um, either uh i i can shop mom or old group which have you tried old group yet uh played it solo a couple of times yeah um, oh that's right you did yeah 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 i haven't gotten back to it because i got busy painting napoleonics right and that's the rest so, of your life right. taken care of pretty much yeah <laughs> exactly yeah um at least until christmas yeah. of next century yeah so, Christmas yeah. when you come home from Russia, I'm pretty sure that Napoleon said that at some point. That's right. <laughs> be home before Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, old group would be very good for it. Um, yeah, I was well, I was reading the end of Zolki's Italian campaign series uh, when I when I was playtesting it. So I used my Italy buildings. Um, yeah. Because yeah, he's written five books on the Italian campaign, starting with Husky. Yeah. And then Ortona, Leary Valley, um, Gothic Line is the fourth one. And then the River Battles, which right. is, it's um, part of the campaign. It's always kind of glossed over. You know, it's just kind of, you know, it's covered in a paragraph. Oh, and yeah, we kept pushing them forward. And But, you know, everything is going on in Normandy and Holland. So we just sort of... A lot of fighting for no appreciable gains and he goes in it's like a whole book studying this studying this horrible campaign um where like we like the first you know first canadian corps suffered some terrible defeats which don't get talked about um you know the rcr got their ass handed to them trying to fight across trying to fight across yet another river line yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The Hastings and Prince Edward Regiment got blown off their start line by their own by their own preparatory barrage. Mm -hmm. That'll mess up your day. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and all of that is uh, all of that is obscured by uh, you know Normandy, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's everybody's focused on Normandy, 
and well I've, yeah i mean every day is like, oh juno beach juno beach normandy yeah. and it's like they don't know about the Breskins pocket they don't know about you know um first canadian army commanding um operation veritable mm-hmm. you know any yeah. most of the history books is always 30 core and horrocks yeah yeah like, yeah and then there's these canadians on the flank it's like canadians are running the show with simmons battle <laughs> you know? yeah so which is always nice to know yeah it's very much it's very much lost isn't it unfortunately um so yeah the, the canadians in italy is a project that i think i could work on quite profitably for the rest of my wargaming life um <laughs> It's not that big a campaign. <laughs> no, but you need all the toys. And, you know, that, that, I guess that's another thing. I don't know if this has been, th- if you've been thinking about this, but, you know, we talked about Mike Hobbs earlier. Um, I mean, people die, right? We've known, we've had friends in the hobby who've died or, you know, mm-hmm. become ill and have, had dropped out. But, you know, I find as I, as I approach 60, which is closer than 50 by a long shot, um, I realized that I'm not, you know, I'm not at the front of the checkout lane, but I'm definitely in the checkout lane. And, uh, you know, I, I mm-hmm. want to think, I want to think carefully about what I do for the rest of my, my hobby life. Right. I think I want to be, you know, so I, I made the decision, for example, to get rid of all my 20 millimeter toys, which I have to say I struggle with for a bit, but I thought, you know, yeah, you love that stuff. I do, but it's, it, I kind of cut my teeth on I have boxes of Ravel and, you know, Italieri figures that I never painted or assembled. And, oh, you know, uh, so I have a home in mind for them, but uh, I, since then I've taken on other periods. I took on six millimeter Napoleonics, God help me. Um, and uh, paint, I think, well, you paint your 28s faster than I paint my six mils. So I don't know about that. Um, a friend of mine, like, likes to say I'm the only old man he's ever known has voluntarily chosen a smaller scale, um, which is true. Although I didn't like the old man part. Yeah. Um, that would be, that would be my advice to younger gamers is while you have the eyes start with the six mil stuff, yeah. build big armies for big battles. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and then when you go, yeah, I, I want to do, you know, skirmish stuff. Then you move to the bigger scales when you're, you know, when you hit 40 and you need bifocals. Yeah. You know, then you start painting your 28s. Or just do what I do and just, you know, put your glasses on the top of your head and hold the figures up really close to your eyes. Where that's My optometrist said that's okay too. Yeah, my optometrist said go for it if that works. Yeah, as long as you're, you know, your eyes get yeah. tired, stop painting. Yeah. The only other Canadian project I would talk about that that's on my my um, painting table right now is this funny little project where I want to do sharp practice uh, between the British and the Union uh, in an alternate American Civil War. So the Foundry, not the Foundry, the Perry's um, British Intervention Force figures have been my friend there. Um, and Victorian British uniforms are a lot of fun to paint. So I have almost enough figures for a little scrap, but I haven't, uh, I, I still want to get a few more things done before I try that. You don't need too many figures for a scrap and sharp practice. No, you don't. That's true. But I, it, it does, you know, there's some interesting questions about troop quality. Like, you know, um, I think my, my own personal thought is that a, a, a union um, battalion that's fought in the army of the Potomac for a couple of years would probably have, um, 
wiped the, 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 the table would, would probably trounce uh, most Canadian militia on an average day and would probably give British Redcoats a run for their money. Yeah. Because they, yeah, they're pretty hard. They, you know, there's certainly a lot of experience. Yeah, I think it would just be an interesting exercise in how you rate troops on the tabletop. Because the idea that British redcoats must be like the British redcoats, so best troops in the world. I'm not convinced that that would be the case necessarily, but no, yeah, and it's a case of you know discipline versus experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is oh, 1860s. What they oh, you'd have Crimea War. You'd have yeah. India. That's true, yeah. You might have some veterans of the mutiny or the Crimea for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's that's those are my two Canadian projects right now. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and your your um British intervention stuff looks very pretty. It is very and, pretty. You know, you can and you can do Fenians and do Fenian raids. Oh, that's true, yeah. You just really Maybe. get a bunch of can Get a bunch of Confederates and give them an Irish banner, and there you go. Would the because you because your chaps are in the Shakos, right? That yeah, um, Canadian militia. The, yeah, like the Fort Henry Guard, right? Are wearing would they still be wearing that in um, eighteen sixty six? Yeah, I guess they yeah, are, they? yeah. I think the, the the what the Canadians call the sedentary militia would still be wearing them for sure. Mm-hmm. Whereas the British. Um, had by then the British regulars had shifted to the Kilmarnock, Kilm- I think, or what they called, which are basically uh, pillbox hats. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a Peter's. I wish that Peter talked about his Ridgeway project. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, Peter for sure. I painted figures for that. We'd have to we'd have to break our British accent rule, but that's okay. I'd do that for Peter. Well, since he's British, he can have one. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So um, I guess we're coming to the end. Um, mm-hmm. We've talked about uh, we've talked about stuff Canadian stuff we're doing. We've talked about why we're doing this podcast. We've talked about each other. Um, yeah. So I thought maybe we, what we could do as we wrap up is uh, we could. I'm going to totally steal something from um, Andy Clark's Joy of Six. Um, podcast where every time he has a guest he asks somebody to deposit a a book into the joy of six podcast virtual library and i thought we could steal that idea and we could do the same thing for books about canadian military history Hmm. so i'm going to put you on the spot if you had one or two books that you would deposit into our virtual library uh, what would they be well let's see anything by mark is worth a read Right. But I particularly like Brave Battalion, where he chronicles the Canadian Scottish Regiment through all of World War One. Oh. From from um, mobilization right through to the because uh, they, they were part of the occupation force after the armistice. Right. Uh, so, yeah, and they're in all the major battles. And they were a Toronto Regiment, weren't they? Uh, they were a company. That's why they're called the, the Canadian Scottish because they were a company from each from four different Highland regiments. Oh right, right. So they have weird regiment. I at least then they had, you know, each red each company wore different tartans and all that Scottish right. stuff. Right. But the other one that I was going to um, say was the book that really kind of kicked off my um, Afghanistan project that we talked about. 
is Contact Charlie. Okay. The Canadian Army, the Taliban, and the Battle That Saved Afghanistan by Chris Watty. And it's about uh, Task Force Orion. Right. And uh, their tour culminating in the uh, first battle of the White Schoolhouse. Uh-huh. And how Horn realized that there was this massive buildup in the Panjway and they were the, the Taliban were building up for an attack on Kandahar City which really annoyed the American high command who didn't want to hear that but he, he talked them around of course he you know had a massive day long firefight in front of the white schoolhouse and right so what year is that? That's before Medusa, right? It's yeah, it's the summer before. Right. So Medusa happened in the fall. Right. So two thousand five. Two thousand six or seven. Two thousand six. Two thousand six. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, it's kind of ironic, though. The battle that saved Afghanistan. I guess you know. Well. Bit of hyperbole. I mean, the book was published in uh, book was published in two thousand and I think the war was still going on when it was published. Two thousand eight. Yeah, yeah. yeah so we're, we're still we're still shooting bullets at people. Right, right. When the book came out. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But no, it's, it's, very, it's a very good, um, very good read about the operations of the battle group and the details of of the uh action itself so mm-hmm. yeah afghanistan is such a fascinating period i mean the the um you know the to, to talk to the people who were there you had a mix of um you know long service guys who'd been in uh, bosnia and um germany and then um you know young um young ncms and young officers um you know in uh kit that uh they were largely unfamiliar with because we you know we uh, we re-equipped that army sort of on the fly didn't we really Mm -hmm. and uh yeah it's a fascinating story and the people that you talked to who came out of it sometimes have very very different things to say but it's fascinating well Mm -hmm. those are two great reads you'll have to uh if you send me the um send me the uh um all the details I'll, I'll start a little a little part on a blog or something where we can keep track of all these books okay so those are your two recommendations they are okay so mine i have uh, two as well and uh the first one is uh probably no surprise um farley Mowat's the regiment which is oh, his, very good yeah i mean i think that's one of the that would be one of my go-to canadian military books it's his account of um his experiences as a young subaltern with the Hastings and Prince Edward uh, Regiment, the HDPs Regiment from Eastern Ontario. And uh, Farley Mowat uh, would go on to be a, you know, a Canadian author that, you know, everybody of our generation read his books about the prairies and wild animals and whales and stuff. He was an ardent environmentalist, but he was, um, he was a Canadian veteran. And uh, um, it's a, it's a, it's a really honest account of, um, you know, life in a, in an infantry battalion at war. So 
The other book uh, that I would have, this might surprise some people a little bit, but if you know me, you as in my Mad Padre persona, um, my other recommendation would be a book called The Great War As I Saw It by a guy called Frederick George Scott. So uh, also known as Canon Scott. So he was uh, a, an Anglican um, uh, minister. He joined the Canadian army when it was uh, being called up. There really wasn't a Canadian army in 1914. It was being put together at Camp Belcarte originally. And he went over with the uh, first Canadian division as a chaplain. He ignored um, orders to stay out of the trenches. He saw everything like he, his account of the battle of second Eps coming up to uh, with reinforcements and meeting guys who were being gassed and uh, running away and telling them to stop talking about gas because it would scare the reinforcements. Um, you know, I mean, he, he saw the whole war and he, his account of, you know, the hundred days. Uh, the most the amazing thing about it for me is that he was 54 years old when he started. So he was an old man and uh, regularly was found in the trenches wrapped in a greatcoat. Um, so for me, I must have been killing him. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, the thing about chaplain memoirs, I said this on Twitter recently, the thing about chaplain memoirs is that they're, they're observant guys and they're, they're not professional soldiers. So they see things that professional soldiers might not comment on, right? They're that classic fish out of water perspective. Mm -hmm. And the really good ones were, were at the front and saw you know, um, you know, they saw human beings, really. They didn't just necessarily see soldiers. So uh, it's certainly a book that I'm very fond of. So yeah, those are, those are my two recommendations. What's going to keep you busy the next uh, month before, until we talk again? What's going to, um, Prussians, Prussians, Bavarians, and Russians. Prussians, Russians. Yeah. yeah. I'm hoping I'm hoping to get all my Russian infantry finished and then uh, yeah move on to the Bavarians. So well, I'll keep you busy. Yeah, I keep saying I want to make some terrain for the for this, but then it's like I'm gonna have the time. <laughs> you know, I look at MDF stuff and it's all like, oh, Hugo Mall and you know, La Hay Saint. It's like I don't need all of Hugo Bloody Mont. I yeah. just need like you know like some nice Central European farm buildings or a you know roadside inn or something something generic yeah so yeah. I think I can knock something together with foam core if I if I go easy on myself and don't try and make it so that the roof comes off and troops can go inside I might even uh, make it work oh excuse me make it work <laughs> after bed times. Yeah, well, you know, and uh, yeah, generic, uh, some sort of generic uh, farmhouse, whatever would probably work. And it depends on the scale you're gaming too, right? Well, if Scott's here, then it's a, you know, divisional battle. Well, you can, yeah. And you don't want too much on the tabletop. You don't want to get, uh, you want to move your troops around, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, I can repurpose some of my medieval stuff. Yeah. Which works, but. You know, they're missing they're missing period details like chimneys so yeah don't go what to are you going to be what are you going to keep going on what am i working on i have um i have some fantasy figures that i'm just uh, finishing uh some uh wolf goblin uh goblins on wolves although the, the the goblins don't have any stirrups or saddles or 
bridles. So I'm not really sure how they stay on the wolves. So that's uh, knee power, man. Just yeah, knees. I think Total so. Knees. Yeah, I was explaining. Uh, I was explaining them to uh, to my wife Joy, who is a dog lover and a wolf lover. And sh the first thing I explained to her was that they were goblin, evil goblins on evil wolves. And she just looked at me with incomprehension. Like evil wolves, you want to perpetuate that stereotype, and that was it. I just watched her walking away in disgust. So that didn't go so well. It's European, it's European mythology. Yeah. Did she read The Hobbit? <laughs> no, she's not a Tolkien fan. <sighs> Fortunately, it's one of part of our marriage that we still have to work on. And I think uh, six millimeter stuff, uh, six millimeter Napoleonics. I have a bunch of tiny Bavarians that I'm going to be working on as well. Um, and uh, yeah, and then I think uh, back to uh, back to that 15 millimeter Canadians in Normandy project. Those are if I can get some progress on those done in the next month, I'll be happy. That'll, that'll keep you busy. Yeah, I think so. And then we'll get together in a month and do this again. And hopefully we'll have a guest. So that'll be exciting. Okay. So thank you for listening. If you've gotten this far, then you're a braver man than uh, than I am. And uh, probably a braver man than james is although a few men are and uh coward. <laughs> thanks for listening we hope that uh, we hope that you found this entertaining we hope that um uh if you're a canadian gamer uh or if you're just a gamer and you're interested in uh what we talked about give us a shout um and uh recommend us and we'll talk to you again and i'm gonna find some music to play us out all right here we go here's our send off music That was, of course, the Royal Canadian Air Force March. All right. During March, it is. During March. Not to be confused with the Royal Canadian Air Force. So, all right, James. Thanks very much. All Talk right, to Mike. You soon, mate. Night. Okay. Keep uh, Canadian wargaming, folks.